Hello, this is Victoria Stapleton, Director of School and Library Marketing at Little Brown Books for Young Readers, and I'm pleased to welcome you to this episode of the Little Brown School and Library Podcast. Our guest today is Sonia Solter. She's a fantastic debut novelist on the LBYR list. She is a graduate of Stanford University, and she has an MFA in writing for children and young adults from Hamlin University. And this is relevant. It's a critical thesis on writing trauma in middle grade and young adult realistic fiction. She's also a creative writing mentor to young people with the Society of Young Inklings, and she enjoys writing poetry and prose for children of all ages. Now, you can read all that on the back flap of her really amazing, difficult, heartbreaking, heart-healing book, When You Know What I Know. Now, this book has been strongly reviewed by Kirkus and SLJ, but I want to let you know that the Bulletin paired this book for younger readers who are not ready for Lori Hulse Anderson's Speak, and that is high praise indeed. Welcome, Sonia. Thank you for having me. Uh, Sonia, this is truly a powerful book, and I will confess it, it was a hard book to read. Like Speak, this book deals with the aftermath of a terrible, traumatizing incident. Tori's uncle has done something very bad to her, and even worse, Tori has loved her uncle, and he's indeed been her favorite uncle for a very long time, and you chose to depict Tori's feelings coping with the situation in verse, as opposed to prose. I know that poetry has been used from earliest times to really give voice and expression to some of our most powerful emotions. Can you talk to us a little bit about why you made that choice? Yes, so I had just done a semester on picture books, which are extremely language-based. And, uh, you know, you're working with sound and, and rhythm and all of those kinds of things. And I hadn't done much work with poetry prior. So to me, the picture book work was the poetry that I'd done. I was sitting out in the woods doing some writing, and the poem Believe Me, which is pretty early on in the book, came to me almost full form. So it felt like a very intuitive kind of thing, which is how I usually write my first draft. But I could just tell that the way that came through, and it was not in prose, you know, it was in this very direct poetic form, that that was giving expression to this young girl's voice and what she wanted to say. It felt like she was speaking directly to me and like she wanted to speak further than that to her mother in the case of the book, but also to society. I never really considered prose after I started writing the first draft because it just felt so right to me, how it was coming out. Her voice was just so strong. And of course, the whole book is really about voice in so many ways because it's about her speaking out about the abuse. From there, it was this amazing paradoxical experience of the freedom of the free verse form. A couple of the poems I I did a little structure to, but it's quite free verse in general. Yet, all these aspects that that are these finely honed details to make each poem exactly how I wanted it to come across from her voice. That's everything from, like I said, with the picture books, sound and rhythm. So sometimes I was counting syllables, which is a balance, though. You have to balance that with word choice and other things like that. Definitely sound, alliteration, things like that. And then line breaks were huge, as they often are in free verse, because you get the overall meaning of the stanza mm-hmm. but, or the line, but you also, just by virtue of where the break is, can convey everything from, again, rhythm 
to emphasizing a particular phrase, like it's on its own line, for example, it'll have a slightly different meaning or emphasis. And then beyond that, there were the visuals of the poetic form. In that case, I was able to use, for example, the lines sometimes looking like they were falling down as they went across to the right down the page mm-hmm. for things like when she's had a sort of a sinking feeling, things like that. So it was amazing, like the intricacy that I had to work with was challenging, but it was also this amazing resource for how to convey what she was feeling and thinking. And it was, which was very, you know, tricky in this case, because there was a lot going on from dissociation to very disjointed thinking sometimes. And so that's also why the verse form felt like it fit so well. It's interesting to me, the story of the the first poem basically came to you as you were sitting there. I know that some writers have a character visit them in their mind, and then they their work is then just sort of channeling the character, which sounds like what you did here. But then other writers really are very deliberate in their construction, and it begin and the plot is is how they begin with with the narrative. But it's interesting thinking about how plot and character mutually develop over the writing process beginning with that first poem, which, as you say, came to you really just in one whole piece, the process of fully fleshing out the book, how did your perspective of this character change over that period of time? And how did you feel yourself interacting with that character? Because it sounds very much as if the character just took a hold of you. It very much did feel that way. And I would say in general, uh, rather than being a plot, planner, to start with at least, in a particular book. I'm kind of a moment planner. I'll have different key pivotal scenes come to me. So it it doesn't feel totally random usually, though. It's something that sort of like points me in the direction I'm going. The other way that the book developed and the character developed, I would say, was through relationships and relationship arcs. And that was something that got layered in as I went. For example, the father was quite a bit later in the process, a, a quite late revision when the father, he had been in it, but not, not as strongly. He wasn't actually even a physical presence in the scene. The development of the book, rather than feeling exactly like a plot arc, it was like each relationship was its own plot arc, I would say. Mm-hmm. And so those just kept getting fuller and fuller. And you know, as I said, I layered some other ones on as I went too. What's interesting to me is you talk about the relationships developing over time as you are writing the poems and revising the poems and then going back to the very restrictive nature of poetry because as you said every beat counts every word counts were there particular moments when the change of a word in a poem took you off into a new direction so i wouldn't say anything set me off in a new direction exactly but there were definitely times when a word or phrase inspired a poem So, for example, I realized that there was a theme when I started writing a a phrase about air and how she felt after telling her best friend about breathing and air. And so that inspired an entire poem. And it was just kind of my noticing what I'd been doing already. And then as I realized that that was occurring in the novel more and more, it it inspired a sort of a different direction for how she felt after she told her friend. Did you get the sense from of the character getting, I'm not sure how to phrase this, I'm going to be very clumsy. This is, this is a book where sure. the character has to tell the story 
to multiple people. Do you think the character found it easier over time or gained power from telling the story? Did that come to you as the writer of, a, of the book, that the character was able to reclaim power? Definitely. Particularly when she told her best friend, which is towards, you know, pretty much later in the book. At that point, it, it was different for her. It's still difficult, but at that point, she was uh, in a much stronger position psychologically mm -hmm. and more comfortable telling her. She wasn't full on in her, I guess, acute PTSD at the, at the beginning as she is at the beginning of the book, plus she's had some therapy at that point, and there's been a shift in terms of belief in her family. So she's definitely in a stronger position in various threads, which is why that experience is different for her. So I'm curious about something. I'm going to ask this in two parts. I know okay. some writers who compose with their hand. They write it down on their pen with their pen, or they type it out on the screen. And I do know some authors, and in fact, many poets, who compose verbally, as in they, they speak the story to themselves. That's how they compose the book. How did you work? That's an interesting question, because I was going to say that I do the first, but I now wonder if I do the second, because I hear the character's voice in my head. You know, eventually I read it out loud for other reasons in order to hear how it sounds, but in a different way. But... I do hear it. So I, I think I'm going to say I'm the second category. So that leads me to my next question. That puts you in an interesting position of being both author and audience of the work. How did speaking these words affect you? It was powerful, I think, is the best way I can say it. It felt like giving voice to her, I guess, through me. So it, it felt like a very powerful thing because I knew that it was an important story also. It's almost as if you're the first person she's telling the story to. That's a very good way of describing it. One of the most powerful moments in the book comes near the end for me as she is grieving the loss of her uncle because they did have good times. And all of the powerful emotions in the, the book, how did you feel as a writer at the end of this process? I think I felt like, in a sense, I experienced some of the emotions along with her. So I think that sense of poignancy, there's that real sense of poignancy in the, the poem that you're talking about. Mm -hmm. and, and that is the sense at the end. You know, she's well on her way, not done, of course, with her healing journey at that point, but she's well on her way. But it's been a really difficult road. And the truth is that that'll always be with her, you know, what happened. I think one's left with a sense of hope but a very poignant kind of sense of hope. So there's a tenderness with it. And I definitely felt that along with her too. Absolutely. Uh, I think the last word poem is just so beautiful. It's an elegy. It's melancholy, but hopeful. And I, and I think it, it really puts us in a, in a wonderful space to leave Tori. I know, as we mentioned in the beginning, you did a lot of work in writing about trauma for young people. Um, and I know that you work with the Society of Young Inklings, which is really kind of a genius name for a group of young writers. Can you share with us how your work with this primary audience has influenced how you write for them? Yeah. And I would expand that just to other work I've done, you know, with kids and volunteering and, 
you know, my own kids and even younger children when I was a Music Together teacher, too, is I think it gave me a really strong sense of their ability to understand complexity and nuance. And I feel like that is a lot of what I was going for in the book, too, that things are complex. It's not simple. Adults are not simple. They don't know if, you know, they are also these humans who have things going on and don't, they don't know exactly the way that one would hope in certain situations, for example. So, of course, it's important to keep in mind that there are still developmental issues. So, for example, I believe it's around age of seven or eight, that kids can understand metaphor. That was something I was aware of because I have a couple extended metaphors, and I very much wanted to make sure that, you know, kids wouldn't take it literally when she feels like she's slipping into an icy lake, for example. Mm-hmm. And that's about her feelings, right, not mm-hmm. about her actually slipping into a lake. So one has to keep that in mind, that there are actual developmental issues. But I think we often don't give kids enough credit for understanding humanity, really and the complexity of life. I think they can understand a lot more. And I definitely see that with my mentees as well. I used to work with Roby Harris, who is one of uh, the great observers of child psychology and one of the great writers for very young children. And she has always talked about the bigness of children's feelings. And one of the most difficult things to do is, as a writer, is to, to accurately express the bigness of children's feelings in language that may not accurately express that. Children may not have that language for the, for the bigness of what's inside them, but you still need to use words that they do understand that may give them an entry point or a way to having their own expression of those feelings. Did you think about vocabula- that vocabulary of your work in that way? Yes, I definitely went in and did every word trying to make sure that it felt appropriate. I had to change some here and there, but I was trying to make sure I, it felt real also because it's first person that it was realistic. And we make, you know, little compromises here and there sometimes as writers with that, but overall mm-hmm. it needed to be, you know, sound like it was for sure her voice. Sonia, thank you so much for sharing this wonderful book with us. I think it would be nice if we perhaps ended with a reading from the book. What do you think? I've rather surprised you with that. Um, Sure. That's all right. I have it right here. (laughs) I wonder if you would read for us a day like today. Sure. I like to end on a note of the poignant hope, so I think that's a good one. A day like today. Do you think it's possible to forget the most horrible, terrible thing for hours at a time? I laughed today, swinging up, up into the sky, Rhea in sync with me. Do you think it's possible to be happy in the middle of it all? Feel your cheeks ache again with joy? I run through the grass, which tickles my feet and makes me laugh harder. Do you think it's possible to take a break from stale, recycled tears, to gulp air fresher than a brand new day? I reach the front door, out of breath from all that running, from so much laughing. Do you think it's possible to tie the dragging sadness to a tree at the park and leave it behind? I shut the door behind me, and there's a spot on the carpet where he spilled coffee last summer, and I remember, and it comes back and sinks its teeth into my belly and won't let go. But still, a day like today, it's possible. I know that now. And I think on that note, as I grab a tissue and dry a tear, we'll end. Thank you, Sonia, so much for joining us today and sharing this amazing 
wonderful book. Gentle listeners through the virtual universe, When You Know What I Know by Sonia K. Salter should be on your shelf now. Thank you for joining us. We'll see you soon.